You're listening to the IPHC Leadership Cast. Hello and welcome to this edition of the IPHC Leadership Cast. I'm Garrett Magby and today we have a special guest from Southwestern Christian University, Dr. Adrian Hinkle, who was actually one of my professors uh, when I was going there um, for college. And uh, Dr. Hinkle, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Now, I do want to mention that you just got your doctorate mm-hmm. recently. So this is a, a brand new title that we get to get to um, use for you. And, and tell me a little bit about your background in getting to Southwestern and then your process uh, through being professor and as you went on to get your doctorate. Just a little bit of background on that. Certainly. Thank you. Uh, my my history with Southwestern really started as a student. Um, I was um, I came and transferred to Southwestern as a sophomore. And while I was there, I volunteered uh, right here at the Global Ministry Center, starting off in the church education ministries, um, helping with, with YouthQuest, of all things. YouthQuest, yes. And uh, that slowly turned into a part-time position in EBUSA that finally turned into a full-time working for, uh, he was the then church planning coordinator, Dr. Owen Weston, uh, yes. when Dr. Uh, Ron Carpenter was the director for EBUSA. Yes, yes. Uh, and so while I was there, you know, I... God turned a corner in my page. Um, I originally thought I was going to be a union assistant pastor or something, and uh, the pieces just weren't fitting right, and things came together, and, um, you know, it's just that, that process, I guess, um, that yes. so many people go through, uh, recognizing that really my call wasn't so much pastoring as it was teaching. So I began um, looking through some of my contacts um, and eventually was able, um, the door opened at Southwestern. Um, so I got to come back home to my alma mater and begin teaching at that university. That was in 2004. So this is, I'm starting year number 12 at the university. Excellent. I've worked up from the ranks of adjunct instructor um, to full-time faculty, department chair, and now I'm currently serving as academic dean for graduate and professional studies. So I oversee business, theology, and then our, our graduate degrees in um, Master of Ministry, Master of Theology. So it's been quite a ride. It has. Uh, but has certainly enjoyed every every bit of it. That is amazing. Well, and and I know that now when, when, uh, when I was in school, I know that uh, you had... You started in 2004. I got there in 2007. So you're still in that first initial, you know, five-year period. Yes. And uh, and so I remember all the students saying, "Hey, you have to have Professor Hinkle at the time. Professor Hinkle's class. It's great, but it's super hard. So you have to get ready because it's going to be." But you know what? The when they said super hard, I realized it meant. Uh, just learning a lot because you yeah. just invested so much and you invest so much in the students. So I know I appreciated that as well as everyone else who's ever had a class. Well, and, thank and you. Yeah, there's definitely some students that really will step up to the challenge. And, yes. and so we had some some fun classes. Yes. And I remember some of those. I think you had hermeneutics with me. I did. And I did. Uh, that was a fun. We, we got to do some neat things just because it was a high caliber class. It was. So we were able yes. to go places that I wasn't always able to go with with other classes. And, and that's one of the things one of the things I remember most um, from some of my class projects was doing that that folder that we had basically a binder Mm -hmm. full of all of the different studies we did different ways to break down passages hermeneutically um, to look at them in context and then we had projects that went in that folder as well so I remember that yes really well and it was it was something that stuck in my head so yes I hope that's, that's one of those still... projects that, that sticks with you <laughs> that sticks with you that battle does. wound doesn't go away <laughs> it does not but it was it was really good and, and yeah. knowledge based so it's mm-hmm. helped me even from going um, on after college to to you know just my own Bible study or being in Bible study with others uh, in my own personal walk with the Lord and then also just in being able to help 
translate to other people who maybe don't know much about biblical um, background or scripture or anything like that, being able to help them understand certain aspects of the Bible mm-hmm. um, and, and having a better understanding of yourself. And it, it leads us to our next point because you're actually here to talk with us about hermeneutics specifically. Yes. And we're, we're getting into our emphasis this month and uh, in the following few months on the gifts of the Spirit. So we've actually asked you to prepare a little bit of a um, a breakdown of what hermeneutics is. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I think you're going to demonstrate for us how to do that and apply it to a scripture. So go ahead and let's start with hermeneutics itself mm-hmm. and uh, the definition. Certainly. And that's where... To be honest, for, for those that have never heard the word hermeneutics, it can be kind of a, a scary word. Yeah. Um, it's really what I would say. It's the $50 word that really means it's it's the art of interpreting Scripture or, or how to interpret Scripture. And so one of the things that um, I find fascinating in, in my field is that Scripture is so simple that children could read it and understand it. Brand new believers who don't have a point of reference for Christianity can open up Scripture and they can understand it to a certain extent. And yet it's so complex that scholars can spend a lifetime studying it and never fully master it. Right. Um, you know, not, not even, you know, even just studying one book, um, it just goes on and on and on with the depth and the complexity of what we have in Scripture. And so hermeneutics is likewise very similar to that. Uh, it can be a very simple um, discipline that one puts into their life, uh, yet at the same time, you can bring out the complexity in hermeneutics and all the different um, facets that come and, and touch on that. One of those areas is seeing, interpreting scripture, it really falls in two different categories. It's a science as well as an art. So when we talk about the science of interpreting scripture, you know, there are things that are, are hard, fast rules. There's, we can study the geography, we can study the culture, we can study the history, and there's a right or wrong answer to, to did you get it right or not. Right. Then the tricky part is there's a whole other side that's, that's the art that's not necessarily something that you can put your finger on and say that's right or that's wrong. Uh, And a lot of that comes through the imagery and the words that you see in Scripture. And so if we just take a look at even some of our own words in in English, and if you just say that, that phrase, I love you, well, my goodness, love can mean so many different things. You know, we love hot dogs, we love cars, we love people. <laughs> right, right. What do you mean by love? Um, there's many different depths and, and layers to what we mean. And even if we were to zero in and say, I love people, but parental love and marital love is different from friendship love. Um, and even zeroing in on marital love, you have brand new married couples. And then those those couples that have been married for, for 30 years. And I would imagine that definition of love changes. Right. And so that same thing carries on into Scripture. So when we are reading words and the art of interpreting Scripture, hermeneutics is, um, is teaching a basic set of principles that helps ensure we're approaching Scripture on its own terms. So we are not reading in our own preconceived notions and our own pre-understanding. Um, and that we begin to see the layers that are within Scripture. Uh, and the best way that I can, can can convey that is if you think about those um, those layer maps, for instance, anatomy, and you can, you've can you got that piece of paper that shows the bone structure, mm-hmm. and then you put a, a, a transparency over it that might show maybe the major organs, and then another transparency that shows the muscles, another one that shows the blood vessels. And you can look at any one layer, but you can also look at them all together. And that same thing is happening with hermeneutics. You can zero in on one little piece, 
um, at any one piece of the puzzle, but then you can also look at the whole thing together. Um, and that's where I talk about the simplicity yet the complexity right. of interpreting scripture. Interpreting scripture. So, and, and let me touch on that for just a second. Um, but the when you're talking about that complexity mm-hmm. and those different layers, it's it's all like and you mentioned earlier that it's an art as yes. well as a you know a, a certain way to look at it, study it, that sort of thing. But that art is not only recognizing just one or two of those layers, but realizing that each one of those layers affects every other layer and it affects the total outcome of what's happening so it's the art of trying to get through all of that and really dive deeper into it um now tell me tell me this what are the basic guidelines for hermeneutics when you're applying them to Mm -hmm. a scripture what are our different parts that we have absolutely uh you know as you said it's, it's a complex and you can spend a lifetime studying but there are some just very basic pieces that anybody can, can can grasp and that are easy to teach, you know, as parents to our children or um, maybe more seasoned believers to new believers. And those basic guidelines, first and foremost, is context. And that is that as we're reading scripture, we always read it within the flow of thought of what that book or um, passage is discussing. Uh, so context is that first and foremost, you, scripture always has to make sense in the flow of thought in right. which it's found. The second thing is what I've often referred to as the golden rule of hermeneutics, and that is a scripture cannot mean for us today what it could have never possibly meant for the original audience. And so sometimes we, in our attempt to to apply um, or modernize a scripture, we can get into the danger of, of losing sight of what the original audience was hearing, what was impacting them. So we also want to keep that in mind. So we keep the context in mind, and we keep the original audience in mind. The last thing, and and, you know, even though we talk about um, principles or tools for hermeneutics, we never want to lose sight of the role of the Holy Spirit in yes. our interpretation, yes. um, that we rely on God to show us things, um, to point us in, in the direction. And so one of the things that I have stood tall on throughout my career and life as a believer is the, the principles or tools within hermeneutics should never be disassociated from the role of the Holy Spirit, that those two things complement each other. Yeah. And so if you hear or feel like God is telling you something about a passage that doesn't line up with the principles of, of interpretation, then one th- of two things is wrong. Maybe you've heard God correctly and you're, you're not looking at the scripture right through the, through the tools, or maybe you're using the tools correctly and you're misunderstanding what God's trying to tell you. So if ever those things don't line up, it just means pause. Before you go tell everybody, <laughs> pause and, yes. and, and see if you can get those two things to, to line up. Because that leads us into the to the dangers of misinterpretation, right. um, and so sometimes you know we can get really pre caught up with our preconceived notions. Maybe there's been some, um, maybe we've misunderstood what someone was trying to teach us. Um, sometimes we've been hurt in our past, and it's it's put kind of a filter in place. Um, sometimes I think what I see the most is we get so pre we get caught up with them. Um, uh, looking for a question. We're asking God to, to answer us, and we're looking to Scripture for that answer, and we get so preoccupied with the question that we can take a verse out of its context in, in an attempt to find that, that answer. The one that, the answer that we're looking for. Yes. Almost from our own will. Rather yes. Than, God, what yeah. do you mean by, or show me what you want me to do, and right. we find a Scripture that seems to answer it, 
but it's taken out of the context. There's that golden word. Right. Um, and so taken out of context means it's, it's not the correct meaning of that passage. Um, and then finally, memorization goes hand in hand with that. It's always a good thing to memorize, but what I advocate is when you memorize, make sure you're also familiar with the context. Right. You know, so we can say, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you know, I, I would love to have the gift of singing, that's just not the gift that God has given. Right. And I can proclaim, I can do all things through Christ who, who strengthens me, but I, I may never sing like a songbird. <laughs> I quack like a duck. <laughs> um, so and so that's yeah. not yeah. the context of what that passage means. And so we've, we've got to be careful. So in short, hermeneutics is that process of slowing down, soaking in every word and the textual clues um, that deepen our, our comprehension of, of the text of Scripture. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, now let me uh, let me just ask you this, and and I have noticed, especially when you're talking about that, that there ha- there there seems to be a lot of memorization for mm-hmm. scripture, and then I will hear, and this is just because you know a lot of times, ever especially since hermeneutics class, but I like to know the context because that really does start to show you the actual meaning, why it's being used, why it's being said. And so I will hear people use scriptures every once in a while, and I kind of cringe just a little bit because you know that that's not what it's intended for. It's right. a great thought, you know, yes. and it doesn't, it doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong for what they're using it for, but at the same time, it doesn't really have the same implications, and so you, ha- you kind of have right. to find that balance. So it's super important. Yes. Um, okay, so... Uh, now let me ask you this. You've taken a, a verse for us, mm-hmm. um, or a few verses. Yes. And they're out of Romans. So why don't you tell me a little bit about, about what um, you're going to do for us, breaking it down, showing us how it works, and that sort of sure. thing. Sure. Well, and if I could even start off with my shameless plug. Yes. One of the reasons when I, I was first saved and I fell in love with the book of Romans was from Bible Quiz. Um, yes. I had just been saved in, in June. We went to Youth Quest. And uh, they were given the advertising for the next year's Bible quiz, and it happened to be Romans was the topic. So we spent that next year memorizing the book of Romans, getting ready for a Bible quiz. Wow. And that is the year where I absolutely fell in love um, and, and really, I think, found myself in Christ that year. That um, so if there's any listeners out there that are thinking, you know, is, is Bible quiz the right thing for, for our church and for our youth? Hands down. Definitely. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just do it. It's worth the time. It's worth the effort. Um, oh, my goodness. The lives that get touched, I'm sure, um, and that's what, by that. That was what initially kind of, I guess, opened up hermeneutics to you at the time? Yes. Was that your first? I, I say that was my, that was the the, 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 um, the fish hook, if you will. Yeah. Once I committed to Christ and, and spending that year memorizing um, Romans of all books, where it's such yeah. a, a, what a great, great yes. text. Great text. Um, that's where... I said I, I, that was the fish hook, if you will. That's I think that's what gave me that that bedrock and foundation that ultimately began the the new trajectory uh, for my life. That's awesome. Absolutely. So my shameless plug, but Bible quiz. Yes. <laughs> we need everybody to get involved. Get your church involved. Yes. yes. So so Romans twelve is you know with our our topic that you'd mentioned with spiritual gifts. Um, of course, my first thought goes goes to Romans. My first right, love. Right. And uh, so the, the verse I've picked out for us, Romans 12, verses 3 through 8, and if time permits, I was going to go ahead and just yeah. read that real quick so everyone's familiar with what we're talking about. Um, and this is from the NASB version. Okay. For through the grace given me, I say to every one among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so you have sound judgment as God has allowed to each as a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not all have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members uh, one of another. 
Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophesying according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberty, he who lends with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And so as we've talked about already with context, Romans, if you're not quite familiar with this, uh, Paul has um, a large audience of both Jews and Gentiles, and he has spent the first portion of this book, first 11 chapters, talking about salvation, what it means to be justified in faith, how Gentiles have just as much access to salvation through Christ. And so when we move into chapter 12 in Romans, he's this is the pivot, if you will, in the book. And so now that you are believers, this is the role you have within the community of faith, and thus this particular passage on spiritual gifts. And so he begins, Paul begins in verse 3, Um, talking about it's a warning against pride and he exhorts his audience to use their gifts appropriately and now in Romans he bounces back and forth sometimes he's talking to Jews sometimes he's talking to Gentiles and sometimes it's both audiences in this one he's talking to everybody Everybody. so as he's saying don't think more highly of yourself than you ought his audience is that whole community so no member of the church is exempt we're all in this same thing together and he says don't think too proudly of yourself but with sober judgment. And, and in other words, be realistic. Right. Uh, be sensible in how you view yourself. And so this admonition to think sensibly about oneself is directly linked to that clause, as God has a portion to measure faith. So since Paul is addressing all believers, he's speaking about the quantity of faith or trust that all believers possess. And so what prevents pride from cropping up is a realistic estimation of our faith, recognizing that even our faith is a gift of God. So every believer receives this um, exact gift or the exact resource he or she needs to fulfill his or her role in the community of faith. Uh, He also mentions in other texts, such as 1 Corinthians 12, that believers have different gifts or manifestations of the Holy Spirit, yet these gifts derive by grace. So we didn't merit this. I've not earned it. It's not because I've studied. It's not because I've prayed. It is simply because of the grace of God um, that I've been given these gifts and that I even have the faith to accept them. All of that comes from God. Nothing derives from from myself. Right, yes. Moving into verse 5, Um, Paul begins to use a metaphor of a human body, and he describes both diversity and and unity. And so the members of the community of faith are diverse in function, yet Paul surprises his readers by he's focusing on the unity. So we all have different things, but it's our differences that really bring the unity of function. Um, So his focus is unity. Believers are united in purpose and mission through Christ. And then finally, verses 6 through 8, we finish our brief passage today with a list of seven spiritual gifts. And you can start to do some funny things here. Um, So within this list, a couple things are important to point out. It's not an exhaustive list. Uh, We can look at 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, and and we see that there's other gifts that Paul doesn't list here in Romans 12. Um, Also, in other places in Scripture, numbers often have a symbolic meaning. Um, But in this particular place in Romans, uh, it's not what he's doing. So there are seven gifts listed, but it's not symbolic in this particular case. Um, It's really not in line with Pauline literature, and it's certainly not something that Paul's been using in Romans. So I wouldn't give any significance to the number seven in this in this case in this case okay. instead i think this is a representative list list 
demonstrating the diversity of gifts in a unified body of Christ. So he's just showing here's a, here's kind of the, pan, the the panorama view, if you will, yes. of of types. So verse six again, um, he repeats himself and notes that the spiritual gifts are manifestations of God's grace. Uh, that it's not attributed to our our moral nobility. It's not yeah. something we've done, but the gifts that we that we experience as believers are evidence of God's grace, and His purpose is for strengthening the community of faith. Right, the community of faith. Yes. Gotcha. And and we've literally been able to and and starting out, especially mm-hmm. right after you read the verse, started out with that contextual. Uh, setup of what was happening, yes. um, and then and and you know why it was being written, and then going into the golden rule as you talked about the yes. audience who he was writing it to. In this case, all believers, yes. not just Jews or not just Gentiles, but everybody, which helps us understand, as you were showing right there, that that this was for them for this purpose. It helps us understand better why he used the gifts that he did in this mm-hmm. specific instance. It's mm-hmm. not that he's trying to narrow it down to, hey, there's only seven, nothing else counts, you know. Right. But it's it's that understanding based on this process, starting from the beginning to end. Now, now tell me about the, the application here. Yes. So as Paul, you know, in his original audience, he's bringing together the Jews and Gentiles. This, this, these different cultures are coming together as one in Christ. Right. And they have different functions in the church, and yet we are one in Christ. And um, as we said, he's pointed out twice um, that all of this is because of who you are in Christ, because of your salvation, and it's a, it's, a, it's a gift of God's grace. And so as we look at how does this apply to us as modern believers, first and foremost, it's the recognition that we're chosen, that we've been blessed by an almighty God and an all-knowing and all-powerful God. And yet too often we tend to settle for our own interpretation of ourselves. And we've got to recognize that that's a lie. Um, that sometimes we can think too highly of ourselves or we think too lowly of ourselves. And so um, Paul encourages us to have a sober judgment, um, to be sensible in how we look. And we recognize that in and of ourselves, our heart is desperately wicked and we cannot know it. And so only the one who makes the heart can know the heart. And so we look to what God says about us rather than our own interpretation of ourselves. And so here in Romans 12, Paul encourages us to have that sober estimate. So we can't walk away with a sense of nobility based on what we see in ourselves and the gifts that we know that God has gifted us with. Um, It's not an accomplishment that we achieve as experienced Christians. Um, That apart from Christ, we are a degenerate people. We have no hope apart from Him. And so um, God's grace and God's affection is what um, gives us those opportunities um, so spiritual gifts and even faith is, is a gift from God. These are not given for our reward, but the whole purpose behind them is serving the church, serving the community of faith. Yes. Uh, we also don't want to walk away defeated or without purposing. Well, I don't have the gift that I want to have. <laughs> um, we are sons of God and we're co-heirs with Christ. And first and foremost, that's our identity. Our identity is not wrapped up into what we're enabled to do. Our identity is wrapped up in who we are in Christ. Right. Um, so we must learn to walk in that grace and the knowledge that we're the head and not the tail. Uh, the devil has us at both ends. We can be too proud and too haughty, um, thinking too highly of ourselves. But I think we also fall off on the other end of the road, 
um, thinking too lowly, that we're not good enough, um, that, that we've gone through too much or, or um, there's something that's happened in our past that um, God surely can't use me in that way in the church. Right, and right. both of those are wrong. Yes. Um, so it's learning to see who we are with sober judgment as God sees us. Yes. And so allow God to speak to us um, and not not interpret it for our, ourselves. And not try to not try to go outside of the realm of God's call in our life, but also not try to put ourselves in a box when God could do so much more. Absolutely. Yeah. Trust in him. And yes. so much of it, it's an act of trust. Right. You're, you're absolutely right. So the spiritual gifts we see in Scripture are not a one-size-fits-all. Uh, that many people have different variances of all of usually many different types of gifts. And so one of the ways that, that I like to describe it, if you think of the spiritual gifts as the artist's uh, color palette, and yeah. God is using different uh, measures of those different colors, if you will, for different people. Um, and so therefore God selects different portions of different gifts for each believer to enable them to serve their purpose within the body of faith. Um, and so we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to others. Um, it, it's, 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 as I said, it's not one size fits all. It's going to look different for many different people yeah. depending on their role in the body of Christ. So our purpose, what we are supposed to be doing as believers, is learning what that role is and then diligently tap into how God wants us to exercise our gifts by the grace he's given to us. And we're to maintain humility with the full knowledge that we've not earned this privilege of serving Christ, but we're allowed to know God and serve him through the gift of grace that he's extended to us. And so I think oftentimes if we'll keep first things first, I'm a child of God and I'm here to serve him. And however he wants to use me, then that's what I need to surrender myself to do. Um, And sometimes it doesn't fit the image I've set for myself because I know myself and I know my past. And I think sometimes we put limitations or we go off on the other side and we get too prideful. We go, oh, I'm so good. <laughs> right, um, right. And again, as I said, the devil's got us on both ends. Yeah. Um, and so take that step back. Um, my job is to serve the church, serve God, serve the church, um, and to look for how God is wanting to use me and be ready um, yes. and be obedient to that. And that and that speaks directly to that that um, that call on each each Christian's life of, uh, hey. It's not about what you want to do mm-hmm. for the kingdom of God. It's not about what you you desire. It's how God has made you and prepared you and has a, a plan in place for you yes. to help to help you get there. And He's given you those skills to get there. And yes. whether it you know, like you mentioned earlier, like you want to be a good singer, but maybe you haven't had that gift right. of, of singing. <laughs> it it it's not um, it's not a, a detriment to right. the kingdom of God. It's that the benefit. Might not be in that area mm-hmm. for a specific person, but it might be something else. Maybe they're they're way better at organization, mm-hmm. you know, and they need to be used in a in a capacity that's organizing events or organizing outreach or ministry or whatever, you know. Yes. It so the the glory, the self glory, would come from your own desired gift, right? Rather than you really want to glorify God, and that's what we're called to do is to really listen to Him and, yes. and have yeah. that discernment, you know that. He's yes, tried to bless you're exactly himself, so. right. Yeah, I want to sing. Um, that's not what God chose for me to do. That's not my role in the community of faith. Yeah. Um, and so, pick a different hobby. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, and I can even say for for those, you know, my personality type, I'm I'm the I'm the busybody. I want to do, I want to do, I want to do. Yeah. And where there's a hole, I'm going to fill it. And I I really have to to learn to step back and listen, and sometimes tarry a little bit, mm-hmm. um, because sometimes I think I can get in the way of what someone else should be doing and stepping into their gifts right. by my desire to just say yes all the time. 
Um, so maybe if you have listeners that are the other, yes, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. Um, step back. Is that really the role that God wants for you? Is that God's best for you in this season? In this season. That's excellent. Dr. Hinkle, now we, I hate to do this because we, uh, we are about out of time, but I do mm-hmm. want to ask before we go, are there any um, final thoughts or, or uh, suggestions or bits of knowledge you want to share with the listeners? Uh, because this is, this is, of course, excellent material, and I hope that this, I know that this is helping everyone who might not even have an understanding of hermeneutics be able to start to understand mm-hmm. how better to read Scripture, and maybe it will make things more clear, and also understand where the gifts of the spirit come into our lives and how we have gained our understanding of them Mm -hmm. and stuff like that but any final thoughts yeah no thank you um one of the things that i can say from for what we're seeing you know if there's if there's pastors and leaders within the church that are listening uh my my encouragement would be consider um teaching a, a how to interpret maybe a small group or sunday school class uh, one of the things that I'm seeing um, for students who come into uh, to Bible college, there's so many that have never had any kind of formal training yeah. on how to interpret Scripture, and they're hearing it for the first time, even though they've grown up in the church as as 20-year-old students um, taking a class. And so if someone has the ability um, to maybe think about that, if that's if that's right for their church, um, maybe if they're, they're laymen or they're other, um, that maybe they don't have the opportunity to, to do that, um, there's many, many helpful gifts out there, um, lots and lots of resources. Um, so books, I would say go to your local Mardell or, or bookstore um, where they can find some books on, on how to do this. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a simple process. It really is. And so if this is something that's new or foreign, uh, there's lots of help out there. And I would encourage them to, to press in and start seeking that out. Uh, I think they might be surprised at the depth of Scripture that begins to come to the surface when they begin slowing down yes. and knowing some of those nuances to look for in Scripture. Again, so much more begins to bubble to the top when we when we slow down and look for it. Excellent, excellent. Dr. Hinkle, thank you again so much for visiting with us today and sharing all this knowledge. Mm-hmm. And uh, and hopefully in the future we'll be able to to do another interview like this, maybe have a, even a deeper, because the hermeneutics is just a huge conglomerate of different yes. information and this is just touching on the surface so hopefully we can have you back at some point and uh, again we just really appreciate it i thank would love so that and thank you for the invitation this Absolutely. has been fantastic thank you thank you for listening to the iphc leadership cast for more information on the leadership cast and other church related resources please visit www.iphc.org Thank you.